You know, I was thinking Sunday night following the game, what are we going to preach on today? I thought, well, it could be vengeance, bitterness, the ugliness of hell. We could talk about all kinds of things. But, you know, I got to thinking, I'm glad they lost. I'm more happy for Daryl and his family that they can watch yet another Patriot Super Bowl. It only took us 50 years to make it to the Super Bowl, and I'm fine with waiting another 50. (laughs) I won't be here when it happens, but hey, we get to at least play in the Pro Bowl today. Oh, who cares about that? I mean, that's just sick. All right, well, listen, I am so glad that you are here today. Uh, In all actuality, I've known for a couple weeks what we're going to be doing. Uh, Today, we're going to start off another sermon series, and this one is going to be on prayer. And I think you're going to like it. It's going to be chopped up in a way that you've not probably have heard it before. And I like that because I like looking at things that are new, not reinterpreting the subject, but looking at it from a different um, angle. Um, in your bulletin, you're going to see um, at, the, uh, at the top of your bulletin, uh, it's, it's a really good, valid point to remember, and that is we would do well to remember that before God can move through us corporately, and that's as a church, God needs to first deal with us individually. Um, when all the players on a ball team are, are really going all out, I mean, they're all holding themselves accountable to improve, to, to know the plays, to, to know the schemes, and, and everything that happens within a game, then the whole team benefits Rarely is it a one-person ball team. And the same thing goes with business, uh, uh, the secular world, uh, the, the Christian world. The stronger the team, the stronger the organization. And what better way is there than, to, than for us to look at the most powerful thing that causes the team, if you will, uh, to really be moving, and to be moving in such a way that they know the playbook, uh, their endurance is 100%, they're being strengthened and encouraged um, along the way, they know where they're going and how they're going to get there, and it's like, it's just, it's just awesome to, to be a part of knowing what is that secret element that causes us to be the success that we want to be not just for our church but outside the walls of our church it's prayer i mean it really is it's prayer and it seems like a lot of times the things that are the most basic and uh elementary uh it's the things that we don't put a lot of stock in because well everybody can do it well here's the thing about prayer that's the reason why prayer is what it is Everyone can talk to God because everyone matters to God. Everyone is on the same level before God. And just as a mom or a dad wants to hear from their children, God wants to hear from us. 
God wants us to talk to him. You know, Dwight L. Moody uh, once said, I'd rather be able to pray than be a great preacher. Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach, but he did teach them how to pray. Now that is a really good comment from one of the biggest preachers of all time. So today we're going to enter into a sermon series on prayer. Now, how important is this subject of prayer to you? This is right now for you to start thinking, for you, what you do and how you do it. How important is prayer to you? I'd like to give you uh, a viewpoint of how important I think prayer is to God. Monday, I had already been working on a big part of what we're doing today. Uh, nobody knew. I, there's no point for anybody to know. I've just been working on it. Wednesday night, after the message was over, one of my youth came up, and she asked a question. Our, uh, the, the, the message on Wednesday it had nothing to do with prayer, um, but she came up when everyone was gone, wanted to talk, and she asked me this question. There's just a lot of things going on with, with her, her family, um, Good stuff, bad stuff, just stuff. And she asked this question. She, and she's a new Christian. She accepted Christ last summer um, at, uh, at Mount Lebanon at, at Sunday's camp. And she asked this question. She came up to me and she said, how do you pray? And I got to tell you, I sat there and I thought, wow, what a coincidence. I'm going to be preaching on that very thing on Sunday. But I, in fact, I kind of told her that with a wink, wink, because I don't believe in coincidence. But I did tell her, hey, are you going to be there on Sunday? And uh, I said, that's what we're going to look at. It's really odd that you asked that. I don't get asked that. That was Wednesday. Thursday, I'm at the house. It's 421 in the afternoon. How do I know that? Because it shows it on my phone when I got this text. I got a random text from Joshua Davis. Joshua was a kid that had gone through Super Summer uh, <clears throat> for a long time, and then he came back as a team leader at Super Summer. And that doesn't mean anything to you, I'm sure, because you don't know how that works, but he came back as a counselor, and I got to know Josh, but I hadn't talked to Josh in years. Josh, right now, he's in the Army. He is a pilot, and he is a stud. Uh, Josh has it going on in, 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 in a really big way. Josh sends me an out-of-the-blue uh, text on Messenger, and this is what he said. He said, hey, Ed, you may not remember me, but I was a student of yours at Super Summer. I was also one of your camp counselors in the Orange School. And I replied, yeah, Josh, I know who you are. What's going on? And then he said this. He said, <clears throat> I hope all is well. I wanted to ask you to pray for me. I think God has called me to share the gospel with my professors at the University of Texas Law School. I told you this guy's a stud. I mean, who does that stuff? And then he said this. For some reason, I also feel like God called me specifically to ask you to pray over me. 
Well, I got goosebumps then, I got goosebumps right now. And when I saw that, I mean, I just stared at that. And because Josh, he's not, he's well balanced. And he doesn't say stuff like that. I hadn't talked to him in, like I said, in years. And I just kind of sat there and I'm kind of looking around. And I had my, my moment of, okay. So I just responded and I said, I said, dude, I'm going to be doing that right now. I said, I, I'm on it. And I'm honored that you thought uh, uh, to ask me. So he replied and he gave me the three, three names of these professors I guess he's going to try to share Christ with. So I went in another room in the house where I wasn't going to be bothered. And I took it pretty stinking serious to pray for Josh and what he's going to be doing. And that whole time, I'm thinking, man, that is, you know, I was thinking about the night before. Uh, I was thinking about Josh. How important is prayer to you? How important is prayer to God? I think you can begin to see, y'all, it is really, it's really a big deal. When the only time you're praying is when you're eating or you're in trouble, you need a prayer upgrade in your life, right? That's not the only time we need to be taking prayer serious. You know, prayer for many of us is like the national anthem before a football game. It gets the game started, but it simply has no connection to what's happening on the field. It's just a courtesy. It's just a courtesy. Now that's interesting. Do you see your prayers as something today? Do you see your prayers as something that has purpose? Do you see your prayers as something that is intentional? Or is it a courtesy? There was a true story regarding some guys and they were eating at a Cracker Barrel. And they were discussing the topic of prayer and the best way to pray. One man stated that the best way to pray was standing up with his eyes open to heaven. Others at the table argued that it was best to pray with their head bowed. Others said to prostrate themselves uh, on the ground or kneeling and so on. Then one man, his name was Jeff Brown, spoke up and he said, I had been uh, drilling a well over at a customer's house where the ground that I was standing on caved in, and I fell down the shaft. The prayingest prayer I ever prayed, I was standing on my head. How many of you can identify with Mr. Brown? Boy, I can. Oh, I sure can. Maybe like Mr. Brown, you can recall a specific time in your life when you prayed the most sincerest, sincerest prayer you've ever prayed. You can be in the car and talk to Jesus. You can be in your closet. You can be in your bathroom. You can be in the bedroom. You can be working out. You can be driving your car. You can be at work. Um, you can be at home with your family. You can be alone. There is no place where you cannot pray. Anytime, anywhere you want to pray, you can pray to Jesus. But prayer is a lot like the weather, isn't it? We discuss it, 
but we don't do anything with it. I'll pray for you is a common thing that we hear today. But do we pray? See, that falls into that category of a courtesy. Um, even on social media, you can now send the praying hands to someone that's going through something. That's all fine and fuzzy, feel-good stuff, but do you pray? Sending a pair of praying hands to someone doesn't do anything for them unless you do pray. That's, that's just important. Uh, we live in the day where the appearance of prayer, I think, really starts taking over the precedence of actually doing it. And we just need to get back to being a church that prays. I would like to lead us today in more or less a prayer 101 kind of message for today. Um, what types of prayer positions come to your mind? What images come to your mind when you think about prayer? Is it the man that's sitting at the table with his folded hands, with a little loaf of bread and a goblet, uh, sitting there, we've seen the pictures that you've seen. Them. If you're old school, you've seen the picture. Is it um, monks as they're chanting, moving along? Is it little children as they put their fingers together and they interlock their hands? What pictures come to your mind when you think about prayer? Well, today what I want us to do, I want us to take a look at three pictures of prayer in the Bible. And I want us to take notice on what moves God when we pray. I don't know about you, but I want to know that when I'm talking to the Lord, that the Lord is listening to me. Amen? Are you like that too? You know, when I became a Christian, after I was out of the house, when I was in college, and I just radically got saved, I didn't know anything about anything, but I was a sponge wanting to learn. And the reason of my strong motivation that I had, because I didn't want to be like everybody else that said one thing but lived totally opposite. I didn't want to be that guy. That was the reason why I ran from God for as long as I did, because I thought it was a joke. Everybody, everybody didn't live up to what they said. And I remember when it came to praying, I was always intimidated by praying. I would never pray. I didn't know how to pray. I always felt stupid. Uh, to me, the glass was half empty. I was just bankrupt. I didn't know. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know if he was listening. I thought, do you have to be older, more polished, use the King James type of prayer? I didn't know. I didn't know what does it take to get God's attention and I, I just came up with my own. We were in a, we were at church at Calvary Baptist Church one night, and it was a shared time, and they were talking about prayer. And the pastor, Buddy, uh, is what we called him. He asked a question. He goes, "When you think about prayer, he goes, I want you to just let me know what comes to your mind." And all these people are saying all these answers, and they were really good. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, "Gosh, I don't know." And finally, Buddy, he calls on me. Ed, what do you think? Now, I had only been a Christian like a couple months. 
I was in awe of just listening to everyone's uh, throwing out an answer. And I remember at that moment, what I said is really, it's exactly how I feel right now today. My answer was, I don't really know. All I do know is this. When I pray to God, I hope the answer is yes. Because in my mind, I think I'm right. That was tongue in cheek. When I pray to God, I hope the answer is yes. But when I pray to God, it's okay if the answer is no. The most important thing that I want when I pray to God, I just want to know that He's listening to me. Whatever His answer is, I'm good with it. I am, I am totally good with it. I just want to know, is He listening? That's all I want. I just want to know, did you hear me? You heard me? Okay, good. I can walk away because I can trust Him. I just want to know that He's listening. So today, we're going to look at how you can know God is listening to you when you pray. Because some of y'all got some really big things going on. And you need to know, if nothing else, you need to know, is the Lord listening? So the first picture we're going to look at, it has to do with your walk. With your walk. When you think about this thing that we call prayer and what's involved, it has every single thing to do with the way you're living your life. In James uh, chapter 5, verse 16, James says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman will accomplish much. Now, did you catch that? What is the first picture you need to keep before you as you're praying? Are you living your life in such a way at this moment to where you would say you're righteous? That's not a holy self-righteousness. Are you living your life the way you're supposed to be living it? Are you cool with God? Are you walking with God? Are you obedient? Now, that's the old Bible word right there. But what is obedience? Obedience simply means I'm going to do the very thing that God wants me to do. Thus, I'm obedient. How is your obedience list? How are you walking with God? A prerequisite to be heard by God has every single thing to do with the way in which you're living your life. Another, uh, another point. Back in my hometown, when I became a Christian, there was a place I would go to get my car taken to all the time whenever it needed to be worked on. And it was all the time. And there was a guy there, the owner of the shop, and when I would take the car there, sometimes I would stay, sometimes I would leave, come back. He had the foulest mouth and said the most foulest of things nonstop. And uh, he, was, he was an older gentleman at that time. I just went with it. Didn't mean anything to me other than the fact he didn't hide it. When I became a Christian and I started going to Calvary Baptist Church, I realized he not only went there, but he was one of the ushers. 
And I can distinctly remember the first time being there when the ushers came down for an, the, an offertory. They would take up the offering, and he came down, and Buddy would lead out the prayer, and they all prayed. And I remembered from where I was sitting, I remember just sitting there looking over, and I'm like, I know who he is. And I'm like, he's an, he's, he's an usher? And I'm like, I don't know. God's going to, I mean, Buddy's going to call on him to pray. I've heard him talk. And no one I remember distinctly as a young, very impressionable guy that just became a Christian, I remember looking at that going, man, that just, that just doesn't jive. That just doesn't add up. You know something? We know this because we're all adults in this room. What we say really matters. If we go to church and we're acting like we got it all together and we're acting like we're grown-ups and we're acting like we're doing what we're supposed to do, should we not also be like that the moment that we leave? You know, there's a lot of people that's looking at us, the way we behave, the things that we say, what we do, how we respond. Your life is always going to be on a platform being looked at if people know that you're a Christian. I can guarantee you 100% if you will live your life for Jesus, he will draw people to you because everyone is looking for an answer. You think our political system has the answers? No. There is no medicine that a doctor can prescribe to help us get it. It's prayer and it's Jesus. And what do we know in this first picture? We have to walk with him if we're going to be used by him. What did David say? If I inquire iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. <sighs> uh, that's, that's kind, of a, that's kind of, a, of a big deal. You know, the moment when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and you repented of your sins, and Jesus came into your life, and you made him Lord, and you determined, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus from here on out. It's not what I can do. It's not where I go to church. It's not the kind of Bible I read. I'm placing everything in Jesus. The Bible says he saves you. That is called your standing. Your standing with God, it's fixed forever. Because the righteousness that Christ has, he exchanges it for you when you come to him on his terms and just acknowledge who he is. And you're just you're determined, I'm going to follow you. And when you do that, he changes his life for yours and you are made completely squeaky clean. It's as if you have never once committed a sin. That's your standing. But your state will change day to day. We call it getting up on the wrong side of the bed. It's a Monday. Whatever excuses. Up and down, up and down, up and down. We'll go in our lives. There are days where you could charge hell with a squirt gun. I mean, it doesn't matter what happens. You are, you're just having a great day. And then there are days it is completely opposite. And nothing happens to change, to throw that switch. It's your state. 
That is why the Bible says that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means daily. Why? Because we're not going to carry out and do the things that we want to do if we're going to be controlled by Him. But your state changes. And that's important to remember. Because it's up to you and it's up to me how we live our lives. We cannot blame anyone else for the way that we act. We, we got to take ownership of that. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, He said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. We can't just give lip service and think we're making an impact. But on a grander scale, y'all... We cannot give lip service to God, live our lives like the devil, and expect that when we go to him in prayer that he's going to listen to us. I've got news for you. He's not listening to you. He will not listen to you. He will not answer. You have to walk in the manner in which we have been called. It's not about complete perfection we need him in order to to live the life but we need to honor him by the way that we live our lives it has to do with your walk the first picture the second picture it has everything to do with your stance with your stance and uh if you want turn your bibles to luke chapter 18 because the the last two points is going to be out of this one uh passage it is a great passage, all right? The second point, the second picture, the second position that we are to have before us when we pray has, is not only our walk, but it is our stance, and this is the stance. Look at verse 9 of that passage. Jesus is talking, and it says, And he also told this parable to certain ones who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous, but they viewed others with contempt. And then Jesus said this. He said, two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax gatherer. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, idolaters, and even like this tax gatherer, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. And he just went on and he went on and he went on. But the tax gatherer, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Now there's a whole lot of things that stands out in this parable, but none of them stand out more than this one word. Humility. Humility. As a believer, humility is essential 
for success. It is critical for all believers to adopt. As a child of God, you can embrace humility, or at some point, humility is going to embrace you. Case in point, I brought up the Chiefs last week. I should have kept my mouth shut. But either way, the attitude of your heart, if you want to reach God's heart, you need to be humble. You need to learn humility. You know, in James 4, 6, James tells us, he says, but God gives a greater grace. Therefore, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And the rest of his thought continues in this passage of James chapter 4. James says, Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. This is the way you walk. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your minds, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to sorrow and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. The opposite of humility is pride. It's pride. Pride has no place ever in the life of the believer. Ever. I've counseled with a lot of people for a long time that has been destroyed by pride. They lost their spouses, they lost their families, lost their children, lost their jobs, they lost their good name, all because of their unwillingness to see the value of what humility could bring, but they let their pride get involved. Humility is a choice. Humility is something that you, you choose you choose and god favors humility so how is that how is your stance right now before the lord adrian rogers the great preacher he's now in heaven he said something related to this uh, regarding humility and it is really good stuff you're going to see it on the screen he said this true christian humility it's not thinking less of yourself it is thinking of yourself less. Now, you got to roll that through your head a few times. I did, anyway. Maybe you don't. Roll that through your head a number of times. True Christian humility, it's not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And from what we have read in James, the Lord promises to do what? If you will humble yourself, he will exalt you. He will exalt you. Want to see the Lord move in your life? You want to see your spiritual life grow? Consider your stance and embrace humility. And then the third point of, the, uh, of this message today can be seen in your consistency. Your consistency. In Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 7, is the answer to that. 
says, and now he was telling them a parable. It's another parable. To show that at all times they ought to pray and don't lose heart. And he was saying, there was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God and he did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city and she kept coming to this judge saying, give me legal protection for my opponent. And for a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God, nor do I respect others, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continually coming to me, she wear me out. If you have a living Bible, it says she drives me up a wall. And verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. And then he breaks away from that. And he says this, Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them and he'll do it speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he even find faith remaining on the earth? This is and always has been. It's my favorite parable of all the parables of Jesus. And I've got a reason for that. I can connect to this. I prayed for my dad for over 28 years that God would save my dad. And after 28 years, God not only saved my dad, he radically saved my dad. Um, my biggest heart prayer for my whole life has been this. When I die and I'm in heaven, it's not going to feel like heaven if those who are closest to me didn't make it how in the world if i really believe in a real place called heaven how can i live my life in such a way that doesn't draw other people wanting what ed has got so that when they die they're going to go to heaven too it really it's like it's like the bridge is out and it's very dark and there's no lighting and everyone that is going to drive towards that bridge, thinking that they're going to their destination, they're going to die, they're going to go to their death, and you know that bridge is out, but you do nothing to warn anyone about it. I'm not put together like that. And my prayer, my biggest prayer at all times, how in the world can I talk to my loved ones, my family members, and they accept Christ. You want to know the answer to that? It's right here. It's in this, it's this parable right here. And Jesus gives us the clue at the very beginning before he even tells the parable. What does he say? They should pray at all times and don't lose heart. Now, just so that everyone in this room can feel like you've got a lot of company, how many of you in this room right now, <clears throat> you have prayed for something that was extremely important to you, but you faded out at some point because you just got too frustrated not seeing any results, and you just quit praying. How many of you have done that? I'll put up both hands. I'll put up 
more I, all that I could. We are so motivated by a works-oriented type of result. If I do this, then I should get this out of it. If I'm, not doing, this, if I'm doing this and I'm not getting what I want out of it, then maybe I'm doing this wrong, so I'll either stop or I'll find another way. And right here in this parable, Jesus said, they ought to pray at all times and not lose heart. What does it mean, at all times? It simply means that whatever this is that you're praying, that you want to see God move and God answer, don't give up. In this parable, this woman, who back in the day, they didn't have a lot of uh, value, especially if they were widow. She goes to this judge because she needs help, and he wouldn't even address her. Not only that, she was a woman. Now, this was the day of the New Testament times. Obviously, they were messed up, and Jesus knew that. That's why Jesus, when he told this story, he used a person that would have the hardest time above everyone else, which was a widow. And she was going to a judge who not only was not a God-fearing man, he didn't even care about people. So you have a double whammy right there. One, she's a widow. And two, the person that she's going before is a judge who hates everybody, including God. But eventually, he relents, and he gave her what she was asking. Why? Because she did it all the time. All the time. When's the last time you drove the Lord crazy over something because it meant so much to you? Here's the thing. You can't drive him crazy because he cares about it too. He does. He cares about it too. And the more you are determined in your spirit to go after something with the Lord's help, if it is noble and it is righteous, what is more noble and more righteous than seeing people get saved? He's going to move. You know what I did for all those years? I would pray sometimes. I would just say, God, I want to talk to you, and I'm going to read you something. And I would read him these seven verses right here. I read these verses to him more than any person that has walked on this planet. I have prayed the, the, uh, the high points of this passage so many times. God, I, I'm that widow, but you're not the unrighteous judge, but my dad needs salvation. My dad doesn't know you, and if you don't do something, because only you can do this, there is no one else out there that can do this. I need you to do this. And I know you don't take pleasure in the death of the wicked because your, 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 your word tells us. So I'm coming to you again. This is Ed Lowe, and I need you to save my dad, Gene Lowe. And God did it. Now, it only took 20, 28 years. I wouldn't have minded it a whole lot if it was a little bit sooner. But here's the thing. I look back on my life during all that time and what I realized, God was doing a lot of things in my life for me as I was praying for my dad. And I needed it. So maybe that's why it took a little bit longer. I can tell you this. Jesus said you do not have because you do not ask. You need to be asking doesn't mean you're going to get it. If you're praying for that Lamborghini, don't waste your time. It ain't happening, all right? 
It, it, it ain't happening. But if it's noble, if it's something that God says, yeah, you know what, I agree with that. that that's good. He's going to do it. There's some of you that are here this morning and you really want to hear a word from God. God wants to talk to you and He wants to deliver. In doing so, He can show you that He's listening and that He cares too. The hardest times to pray is when nothing is happening back. And believe me, that's hard. How hard is it that Jesus prefaced that before he told this parable that they should pray at all times and don't lose heart don't lose heart stay in the game it's down and there's no way you're going to win don't lose heart but there is no way out of the situation pray and don't lose heart if you take him at his word he will come through. He will always come through. But don't lose heart. In these next few weeks, we're going to look at other aspects of prayer. Next week, we're going to take a look at spiritual warfare and what it has to do with prayer. It's going to, you're, going to, you're not going to forget next week when you hear it. And you're going to see just how important, just how vital God really takes your prayers. You're going to see just how much the Lord is interested in you talking to Him and what He does when we pray. But until then, my challenge for us today is this. <clears throat> if your prayer life has been lacking, join me this week by purposely setting some time every day to just pray pick three things that you would love to see god do in your life and every day this week be the woman in this parable going before the judge asking for whatever it is that you are, are, are praying about and you do that your prayers god is not as concerned with how long they are he is concerned with the quality of your prayer. Meet with God. Talk with God. Some of the biggest answered prayer moments I've ever had in my life have been the shortest prayers because I gave 110% because of what I needed at the time. God knows your heart. So if you want a little bit of extra help to help you get to that point, think of prayer when you think of the word acts. Acts is an acronym for a formula. It's just one of a million. You're probably here. But when you talk to God, do it in these four ways. Thinking of the word acts. A, adoration. When you pray to God, adore Him. Let Him know uh, why you're talking to Him. Mention the good things that God is, that God does. Uh, Talk to Him. Worship Him. That's an adoration. C, confession. If there is something in your life that you need to confess to Him, then at, while you're praying, after you have worshipped Him and thanked Him, then confess to Him the areas in your life where you need Him to move. You just can, If there's something wrong between you and another person, 
You take that up with God and you make it right. But whatever there is going on, confess it. T, thanksgiving. This is when you just thank the Lord for all of your blessings. You're not asking for anything. You're thanking Him for your blessings. Think of the million blessings that you have. If you didn't walk to church, but you were able to drive, you could thank Him for a car. Unless it's a Ford. If you... Just kidding. My first car is a Ford. Uh, to, you don't have to go out and eat today. We're going to go next door. And Ernestine has already been making the gourmet meal. We got a lot to be thankful for on that. Your health, your job, your family. You can think of a million things. Be thankful. And then S is supplication. You know what supplication is? This is when now you're talking to God about the things that you need about what you need lord today this is this is what i'm going to ask of you this is what what you're craving what you're needing at this time uh but obviously please don't see prayer as a rigid formula because it's not but if this is one way that can help you to begin as we leave here um as a means of helping guide you as you're praying this week Every day, think of these four areas. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So on that note, let me ask you this. How is your walk going with the Lord today? You know it. You know it better than anyone else because you know, you know your heart. How is your walk <clears throat> What is your stance like before the Lord today? Are you a proud individual? Are you humble? How do you live your life? How do you look at others? And how is your consistency? At what point in your life did you stop doing what you needed to be doing because you just got worn out? Or you got frustrated? Because nothing was happening. Let's get a, a lot more consistent again. Let's just pick up right where you left off and let's keep going. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Father, we just want to come before you this morning. And God, we want to thank you that we can come here and we can pray. Father, I just ask that today that you would help us to realize that all of us can pray. And all of our prayers are going to be as beautiful before you as, as those who have been praying for many, many, many years. God, you just want to hear from us. That's it. That's it. You just want to hear from us. Father, I just want to ask that for those here today who are hanging on a prayer because that's all they got for something very big in their life, Father... We ask today that you would give an answer to that kind of prayer so that you could, you could show yourself to us as to who we know you are. You are our Heavenly Father. You love us greatly. And you do want to speak to us. You want us to speak to you. I pray, God, you'll move in that area. Lord, for everyone else, we all have prayer needs. And I pray, God 
you'll just help us to remember not to get frustrated and not to give up, but to be motivated and to set before us the belief that we have a God that we can go to who is listening to us. Like I said, God, as you know me, doesn't matter what the answer is. I just want to know that you're listening. And if you're hearing, that's all, that's all I care about. You're a good God and you love us. And we pray, God, today that uh, this week we would honor you by reconnecting again the importance of this thing we call prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.